Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, I have an American who's been living abroad for 30 years and was having to face her morbid obesity issue on her own. Marianne Lease learned a little about intermittent fasting in the beginning of her journey, and you'll flip when you hear how much weight she lost in fewer than 12 months' time. You'll get to meet her right after this. Okay, so you people are really responding. You're going to Akel's Carpet One with the three locations in Central Arkansas, and you're walking in and you're kind of dropping my name. Now, I don't think that's going to help you too much, but I do know it will because I get great customer service, and you will too because you're a listener of the Lisa Fisher Said podcast. So, my friends, I'm trying to think of everybody who's been recently. Audra went, she saw Todd at the Maumel store, Todd with Wendy. Um, my friend Kirsten went to the Rodney Parham store. Darren's mother is going to go to maybe the one in Sherwood. You see, there are three locations, so they can service anybody who needs anything for flooring. That means not just flooring, but that does mean the luxury vinyl plank, the LVP. It does mean tile. It does mean wood, all those things. But also, when you go to Akel's Carpet One, well, the word carpet's involved. So, duh, carpet. We sometimes think of the other products. But also, guys, they have things for the kitchen and bath. So check those out. You'll love the prices because they beat the big box stores. It's AcosCarpetOne.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, this is, um, I love it when we cross the Atlantic to talk to people with intermittent fasting to show you that intermittent fasting isn't just a Western or a North American or uh, some type of fad for people in the U.S. It is something that even Marianne, you in Germany, you've uh, gotten by your hands like this and it's changed your life. Tell me how intermittent fasting has changed your life. How has intermittent fasting changed my life? Um, Let me count the ways. (laughs) So, so many ways, so many ways. Um, Physically, obviously, um, I went from a size roughly U.S. size 22 down to a six, uh, maybe an eight, six, eight. So, yeah. So physically, obviously, um, health wise, I had pretty high blood pressure. I refused to go on medication, which I would not recommend. I just kept thinking, if I do this, I'm never going to get off it. Um, And when I would measure my blood pressure at home, it was around 160 over 90. So not good. Like I said, not recommendable. Yeah. Um, My blood pressure now, 115 over 75. Sometimes it's 120 over 80. Um, Yeah. And that, you know, I really started to see that after about two and a half months and three months after I started intermittent fasting. So that went really quickly. Um, And that's why I think that it was very much due to the intermittent fasting and not just the weight loss, because it did really set in so quickly. Had you been on many weight loss journeys before you did intermittent fasting? I think I am an exception to the rule here because I hadn't. Really? I had, I had never seriously dieted. 
Um, at the very most, you could probably count on one hand where I attempted to diet, and that would have been through calorie restriction. And probably the longest I ever got was maybe a week. Right. 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 And then I just gave up because right. I didn't see anything. I didn't, you know, even in just that short time period, virtue or patience is not my virtue. Right. Um, well, plus you were so hungry. Just, you're you're and hungry. I was hungry. Yes. And I was hungry. And I just, I think I just had lost hope that it was going to work, that anything was going to work. I really didn't believe things were going to change. Um, and then I kind of slipped into intermittent fasting. It just happened. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, there was a day that I was house sitting for the day at a friend's house because they were expecting the chimney sweeper. And I had time. I was just doing corrections. I teach. And I was doing corrections that day at home. And I thought, well, I'll just go over and help them out. And the chimney was sweeper was supposed to come in two in the afternoon. Didn't show up three o'clock, four o'clock. I didn't want to eat anything in their house. So I didn't have anything the whole day. And I had been dieting a little bit a few days before I was doing calorie restriction. And uh, I thought, you know what? It was six o'clock by the time I got home. Wow. I'm just going to try and not to eat. I'm going to go to bed, wake up in the morning, and then I'll eat. And I woke up and I was still alive. Right. So, I, I can tell. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and that was a start. I started Googling. I started Googling fasting. And then one thing led to the other, to Jen Stevens, to Jason Fung. Um, I'm a moderator now for um, the Fasting Highway. It got me into that. Yeah. And the rest is history. So what year was that, Marianne? That was, it started um, in, well, the intermittent fasting started in February of 2020. Oh. And I've been in maintenance now for over a year. So it took you a year to lose yeah. that amount of weight? And um, how, it took how, me about 11 months. Okay. Um, yeah. How many pounds? You have to use U.S. pounds because, you know, I can't do the whole metric. All right. So in, in kilos, it was 60 kilos. That's about roughly 130 pounds. Oh, my. Yeah. A yeah. human. Yeah. A human. A human. A human. Yeah. I, I pretty much halved myself almost. Unbelievable. How tall are you? I'm five six. So that's and I weigh now weight. about a hundred and between 140, 145. So I don't have a really set yeah. um weight. It's a it's a range of five pounds roughly, one forty to one forty five. Was this your high school or college weight? Um, it was probably my high school weight, yeah. In uh, college too. I didn't have a weight problem really. I was probably actually a little bit less in high school. Um, didn't have a problem with my weight as a child or as a young adult. Um, it started, yeah, the pounds started coming on probably when I was, uh, after my third child, I think. And then it really accelerated after my father's death. Okay. So we, we understand that, um, and Jason Fung famously said, obesity is an achloric problem. It's a hormonal problem. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about insulin. YY peptide, um, mm -hmm. ghrelin, leptin, all these magical mm -hmm. things that have to communicate. We know hormones have to communicate, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so where do you think your hormone highway went awry? What what do you think did it? Do you think the stress made you eat more and that made you insulin resistant? Do you think because now we also forget that we, I mean, we know as women that our female hormones have something to do with it too. 
mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. men don't really see as much. Now we know men have weight problems, but mm-hmm. what, what do you think triggered this hormonal imbalance? I think what triggered it is my dad died very suddenly of a heart attack in November of 2003. And was he in the U.S.? He was in the U.S. Okay. And so I was far away, exactly. Um, And we were very tight. He was a real pillar and a real rock for me. And bam, it was just gone from one day to the next. That was a real shock. Um, My parents had a very strong relationship. Um, My mom was lost after that. Oh, really, her world ended. I'm so sorry. And yeah, it was, you know, it was 18 years ago now, but um, sometimes it feels like it's even longer. Sometimes it feels like it was yesterday. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I think emotionally, I was at a real, in a really dark place. I wanted to be there for my mom. I couldn't. I had three young children here. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the eating became emotional to fill a void and, and also the worry and the stress. And that's when you talk about the hormones. I think I was just all over the place. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm just thinking of the, what people don't understand is, and Dr. Bickman in his book, Why We Get Sick, fascinating book, fascinating researcher. He's, I, I've li- I'm not on the third time of listening to the book. Like, I, I love the science behind it, but he also talks about, and Dr. Fung does too, they both intimate, Marianne, that again, it's, yes, calories have, have something to do with it because we're talking about math in some ways. Mm-hmm. He goes, but it also is the trigger of what it does. The more we eat and the heavier we get, the more insulin resistant we get. Right, right. So that puts you behind the eight ball. And then, so what you really were having to do was cure that insulin resistant because now you're insulin sensitive. Right. You know, if you're that weight and you're comfortably that weight and you're metabolically flexible, you, for the first time, have insulin sensitive. Well, not the first time. You probably had it until your world was rocked. Having babies rocks your world um, hormonally, emotionally, physically. I mean, we know that. It's worth it. We all love it. We love our kids. But- and especially, you have to talk about, too, you were not, where, where did you grow up in the U.S.? I grew up in upstate New York, so just outside of Rochester. Okay, so in the a very small probably community. the same to what you have in Germany. Um, actually, it's milder here. It is? Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. You're a little further south. You know, it's funny, if you look at it, we're actually further north, but I think it's because of the Gulf Stream. Oh. Um, we're we're at the, at the height um, of... Valencia, Spain. So Southern Spain, it's very, it, oh. Rochester is, I'm sorry, Rochester is. Rochester's at the height of Spain. Oh, I didn't um, know that. But yeah, but because of the, the Gulf Stream, it makes everything, yeah, I'll say milder here. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, Germany's beautiful. I love Europe. So I love Europe. But um, you just had a lot of things to deal with and your hormones kind of came crashing down on you. They did. I think that's very true. I think that's very true. And um, later, uh, I'd say probably, so this was in 2003. I also, the, the kids were young. My mom, um, I, you know, my heart just bled for her. Um, mm-hmm. She was spending longer periods of time with us, which wasn't always easy. <laughs> and she started to develop dementia. So oh, um, gosh, my dad died in 2003, roughly 2000, I'll say in seven, we started noticing things. Um, 
by 2011, I had her move over to Germany um, because she couldn't live alone anymore. Are you an only child? I'm not, but I have two older brothers who it would have been very, very difficult um, for them to have taken her in. Yeah. Um, so I had her come here and that was a rewarding time, but also an extremely challenging time because she just wasn't the same person anymore, as I'm sure many people who um, deal with dementia know. Heartbreaking. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think I lost myself, Lisa, in those years too. I think I had become, I was teaching still throughout that time, but I think I become, became so wrapped up in caregiving, whether it was for the three kids who were at this point were in their teen years, also not easy. And also for my mom. Um, so I lost myself. She died in 2014 and Really, it took me another, yeah, almost six years to find myself again through through intermittent fasting. To catch your breath. You know, that's yeah. what I think they call the sandwich generation. It's when we're taking care, we're in the middle. We're taking care of teens and young adults or, or toddlers and right, right. ailing parents. And that's right. it's, a, it's a very challenging time. It um, is. It is. So are you saying it was around 2004 then that you started to see your weight creep up? Yeah, it was about 2004. I think, you know, I had gained a couple of pounds after each child, but not that much. Um, But 2004 is when you really started to notice, you know, that I was getting bigger. Yeah. And and what did you think about yourself? Did you think this is a part? Because I, what I like about you is you weren't a lifelong dieter. No. So you weren't unhappy with yourself. You probably, it may have been the medical condition that propelled you to look into fasting? You said the high blood pressure. Um, I, I, well, I kind of slithered into fasting, right? <laughs> I think, I think the years between 2004 and basically 2020, when I started, um, I think the first few years, I was just so enthralled in the caregiving, and I really didn't have time for anything else. I didn't have the mental capacity anymore. Right. You know, I was, I was full. Um, and then I think I had gotten so big by the time that my mom had died, I thought, you know what? It's too late. Nothing is going to change. At this point, I was perimenopausal. I had extreme God. problems with, um, with my, you know, it was just, I bled very heavily. I was yeah. extremely irregular, mm-hmm. was tired all the time. It's awful. And yeah, so I just really didn't think anything was going to work anymore. I had kind of resigned to the fact that I was just going to be obese. And how I felt b- about myself, I was ashamed. I was mm. very, very ashamed, I think. Um, at the time, I didn't know it. But when I look back, I think I went through um, yeah, a period of depression um, my favorite piece of clothing, you know, was my pajamas. And if I didn't have to go anywhere, I didn't get out of them, you know, which is entirely different now. I, you know, I love getting dressed in the morning and I've got a closet full of clothes. And, oh, that's so um, exciting. So, yeah, I, but I do think, I think I was very ashamed of my situation. Um, there were often times when we were invited out, I would decline. I was always the biggest one in the room and, um, yeah. And it's not because I think it's something that I didn't grow up with, really. You know, it came later in my adult life. Were your mother or father overweight or brothers? No, 
No. Brothers? No. My brother had a, has a little bit of a weight problem, but it's it's not severe. And that came also later in life. Um, as a teenager and a young adult, he was also very, very, very lean. Um, you yeah. mentioned something that I've heard Jen Stevens reference, and that is um, when you have a weight problem, you scan the room and you peg yourself the largest person here. All the time. Really? And I was always the largest person. Right. Um, so I was at my heaviest in 2000, January of 2020, I was 275 pounds. Right. Uh, so I was always the largest person, especially in Europe. Right. So right. You know, obesity is a problem here, too, but it's not quite the rates aren't quite as high as they are in Europe. And you know why? Because y'all still smoke. <laughs> not y'all. But when you're in Europe, they are smoking everywhere. That's true. Yeah, and they're walking true. everywhere. And they're walking everywhere. That's very true. But it's also possible because generally things are much closer, right? When I think of where my yeah. parents lived, you know, you needed a car yeah. to, to go yeah. to the post office. Uh-huh. Um, so it is a very different um, different setup, simply. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, you, then you, you're saying you really felt, pardon the pun, the weight of that because it, European culture and and Western American culture, we know, are very, very different. And mm-hmm. so there, you weren't looking at a room full of overweight people. You felt like you were the one. I've heard Jen say that. And she also her saying, because my, my weight loss was 10 pounds, but I lost mm-hmm. the mindset. I never, I never think about food. I never think about my body. I never think about weight. I'm free. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm, was a noose mm-hmm. of just mm-hmm. my weight going up and I couldn't figure out what it was. And it was insulin resistance because I was eating mm-hmm. all day, you mm-hmm. know, because I was mm-hmm. told to eat mm-hmm. five and six times a day. Yeah, and so I right. did it because I'm obedient. Uh, I also have thyroid disease and postmenopausal and I have some autoimmune conditions that probably perpetuated that. So I, I can't put myself in your shoes. But the other thing Jen would say is um, then when photos were taken, she would always go in the back. I bet oh, you're in the I- front now. I have so few, f- I am, I'm a, I'm a ham, it's terrible, it's embarrassing, I have to control myself. Um, but uh, yeah, exactly. If I have very few photos of myself when I was obese, very few. And the ones that I do have, I've got a you know, big shawl, I was an expert at trying to cover uh-huh. myself up. Uh-huh. I only wore black. Um, big shawl, my purse was always there, or a pillow if I was sitting down, or I'd be hiding behind my husband, or behind something. Yeah. Um, but again, I have very few, very, very few photos of, of when I was obese. I managed so are always you married? to dodge the camera. Are, I am. Are, you, are yeah. you married now? So what does your husband think? He Had he ever, he had known you at this weight? He, oh yes, I've been married to him for 30 years. That's why okay. I ended up in Germany. Okay. Um, so, um, well, he knew me when I was thin and he saw me gain and he never really said anything. Um, and, uh, what does he say now? Yeah, he's, he's very happy. We both are. I can do things again with him. We used to hike a lot and bike a lot. And there were years I just couldn't do it anymore. Physically, I couldn't do it. Um, so if, if, you know, that's added a whole new aspect again to our, to our marriage, really. Are you empty nesters yet? Um, almost. Almost. We're, we're, we have to help the youngest a little bit. We're nudging a little bit, but he's very comfortable at home. Yes, I understand. Well, it is a, our, my 34th wedding anniversary is tomorrow. In fact, our, oh. we went on our honeymoon to uh, 
Innsbruck and we flew into Germany. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. from Munich. Innsbruck. So I, I just have, it has a special place in my heart, but empty nesting is the greatest invention ever. Oh, I know. And this is how my husband said it the other day. Cause like tomorrow we're getting in the car, we're driving, we're in Little Rock, Arkansas, driving to Dallas, Fort Worth five hours. Oh, that's a drive. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a big deal though. I mean, we have to do it all when we're in Little Rock, you kind of have to make the trek to go any place. Um, so easy. And one of our kids lives there, so it's easy for us. But I asked my husband, because two weeks ago we got the car and we drove to the beach, which was seven and a half hours away because we could. Mm -hmm. And I said, empty, I said, being an empty nester is like dating. He said, except we have money now. Because you know, when you were dating, you didn't have any money. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And now we can afford to go to stay at the, a, a real hotel and eat out and do all the things you want to do. So I'm just telling you, you're this close. And if you still have one at home that's at an age where you don't have to watch him all the time, you yeah. have the freedom. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And I think also that played a role. Um, in the weight loss, because I had time to concentrate on myself finally. Right. Yeah. And I think that's right. that's an example of the positive side of, of being an empty nester. Very much so. Right. For sure. And, you know, you were a caregiver for a long time. And Marianne was last on the list. You had your mother. Yeah. You had your three kids. You had your husband. And I don't know which order. It doesn't matter. You had yeah. five humans before you could even think about what you could do. Right. Right. And, so, well, and you know. I probably shouldn't have, um, you know, I think that you could probably balance it better than I did. Um, I think I was just too engulfed in the caregiving, um, which there were many things I would do over possibly and concentrate just a little bit more on myself. Um, but see, it all worked out in the end. Now, has the new skinny Marianne gotten on an airplane in the last year? The new skinny Marianne was on an airplane. I visited my brother in September of 2019. Now, no, I'm sorry, in, in September of 2021. Oh, okay. Um, in September of 2019, I also was in an airplane en route to visit my brother. And the ob morbidly obese Marianne couldn't right. buckle the seatbelt. Right. So wait, say in, that again. Did you have to get the the double buckle? I was too embarrassed. I couldn't. Okay. I couldn't. So I was extremely skilled in hiding it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Right. And then um, on the way back, so that was going out to the States. On the way back, I was sitting next to a very thin young man and I was trying to buckle it. I was trying, I was, you know, lifting up the rolls and, and just trying somehow and trying to make it as inconspicuous as possible. And then he said to me, he said, ma'am, can I help you? Oh, oh gosh oh gosh. yeah i was like no anyway after about a minute after he asked that um i i heard the click so i was you were like yeah. i'm not getting up to pee i'm not no, moving I, I did not move i did not move so <laughs> anyway so that was you know something that i thought okay during that same trip in september of 2019 i went up to canada to visit my cousin and I sat on her kitchen stool and it broke. Bam, oh, Marianne. Oh. Yeah. So, and then on that same trip, um, I went out to breakfast with my brother and they always sit in a booth. I fit in the booth, but my stomach which was touching the table, yeah. right? Yeah. So these were all things that I was, oh, 
you know, I've got to do something. I've just got to do something, but I couldn't, right? But thankfully, five, six months later, like I said, I kind of slid into the fasting. I didn't eat that day. And then I thought, oh, I'm just not going to eat until the morning. Made it through the night. And that was, I haven't looked back since. But see, if I had walked into it that way, I would think I was harming myself because the media and medical professionals and personal trainers have told us to eat, as I said earlier, five and six times a day. So I would have then the next day eaten 10 to 12 times a day. I mean, mm-hmm, I, I don't know mm-hmm, what I thought. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you for taking the plunge and just going, you know what? I feel kind of good. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of things at play. I think I, I wish I could bottle that mindset that I had at the beginning. Yeah. I don't know really what it was 100%. So all of these experiences that I had in the fall of 2019 certainly helped. And then on January 24th, 2020, and I consider this date to be my second birthday, um, because we had we were putting together a video for a family friend who was turning 80, and I was being confronted with all of this coverage, all of these photos from the last 30 years where I was oh. thin. And then you saw how I just started to gain. The progression. The progression. And yeah. I knew that I was thin back there. That was not a surprise back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remembered how I felt in each one of those photos. And I remembered the ease that I had with myself when I was thinner and how comfortable I was in my own skin. And um, that's what really hit me when I saw that that video at the end. And uh, yeah, that that really, I think, was the straw in a sense that broke the camel's back, if I want to say it like that, that got me, you know, to the mindset where I needed to be. I think you also point out that this isn't about vanity. You know, the media has somehow pushed this into these overweight women who are fine and healthy, but life is simpler when you when you're slimmer, you can, you flew then and felt comfortable. You got into the booth at the restaurant um, or at the cafe or the diner or wherever it is. You don't worry about sitting on somebody's stool and you get to enjoy your life of hiking again. No one wants it. I mean, we all know that overweight people have some impediments and we're not here to condemn or criticize. We're here really to, to encourage you and give you the baton to say, now you can do it. I mean, you've shown that. So, so true. You know, just the simplest things, tying my shoes was a huge burden. I only had slip-on shoes because it was so difficult for me Uh. to bend over and tie my shoes. I mean, something as simple as that. Um, Going to the beach, we go often to France, to Brittany, and and, um, walk along the coast on the beaches. Of course you do. (laughs) And Remember, um, I go to Fort Worth for a dinner. You, you go to Brittany, France. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know what? It's about a nine and a half hour drive. So okay. Okay. probably roughly the same distance, yeah. maybe a yeah. little bit further. But, um, you know, I would always, whenever we would go to the beach and, and walk along the coast, inevitably water would come unexpectedly splashing up. And I very often had soaking wet feet because boots would not fit over my calves. Right. Uh, so and now I go, you know, I walk practically in the water because I have knee high boots. Everything fits. There's so many things um, 
that have improved. You know, like we, you just mentioned the hiking. I bike a lot. Um, things that I used to love to do when I was thin, I can now do again. Um, you know, walking into a boutique store. Yeah. It, you know, I can do it without feeling, oh, my God, they're going to be wondering what I'm doing in here. What, you know, um, I go in there and if I, you know, I look and I walk back out or um, there's so, so many things. I've got so much more confidence. Um, I tried to hide before. I just literally tried to hide. And yeah. And now I'm, I'm gregarious. I used to always be outgoing and talkative and, you know, I'm there again. I found myself again, basically, as corny as it might sound. No, I think it's beautiful. Now, your vocation is you're a teacher. In, mm-hmm. uh, are you in the German public schools? You're in college or university? I'm at college. I'm at a university. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, speaking fluent German, which I think is fascinating. I, I still make a few mistakes, but basically it's pretty fluent. Yeah. What, yeah. what have your students said? Like that, that semester where you just started, tell me about your weight loss there, but what, what, it, what was the student's reaction to the vanishing Marianne? I haven't had any because um, all of my courses have been online because of COVID. Oh. So this weight loss that. started in, in 2020. That first semester, everything um, went online. Yeah. But the next coming semester, starting in April, um, will be in the classroom again. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, you're going to have so much energy on campus. Oh, it's going to be night and day. I'll be able to go up that flight of stairs to get to my classroom without having to pause and breathe and be out of breath. Yeah. To being winded. Okay. So mm-hmm. when I'm an intermittent fasting coach, I'm sure you are too. I mean, we all no, we're I'm all actually not. Well, but you are. You know what I mean? Being a moderator. Well, yeah. That's true. You were, That's true. You were doing things to encourage people. And so I could say we all kind of lock arms with that because we want to hang the banner high that you can have better health because we call it the health plan of the side effect of weight loss, right? That's right. That's right. But the first day I would never, I would, and I even have a couple of obese clients, but they're worried to even get to 16 hours of fasting. Mm-hmm. Girl, the mm-hmm. first day you did like a 36 hour fast and yeah. didn't even know it. Um, but I think that is because of where I was. I think, um, I like I said before, if I could bottle that mindset, I would love to pass it around. I don't know how I got to where, I mean, how I got started. I really can't explain it. It's, it's um, I was so determined and I needed to do it. I needed to do it mentally as well as physically. And I tend to also have an all or nothing personality. So I think it's also really important to know yourself. Um, I don't think my route is probably the right way for most people, but it was right for me because if I had lost slower, um, I think I would have given up. I think I would have given up. You needed that. I needed it. I really needed it. And I really respect people. Um, that have the patience, because it's probably better to lose slower, I would think. I mean, that's what we hear all the time. And But I um, don't know if that's true anymore. That's true, too. That's true, too. I mean, certainly when I think of my blood pressure, um, that that normalized, like I said before, after about two and a half months. So um, it was the right way for me to pull off the Band-Aid method. I think yep. Jen Stevens says it that. Right, and, right. and Yeah. 
Hey friends, if this is your year to lose weight, I can help. I'm a certified integrative nutrition health coach and I received a lot of training personally just as an intermittent fasting success story myself. And now I've been coaching people since 2021 and people who have lost a lot of weight. You may have heard the story with the chef from Arkansas who's lost over 90 pounds is still losing weight. Lots of women losing 30 and 40 pounds because I know the science and I can help you. You can reach out to me by going to the show notes. You'll see a link or you can just email me fasting at lisafishersaid.com. You can go to my website and see that same link. But kids, I can help you. I can partner with you. I can show you the science. It's resetting your hormones That's what this is. It's not a caloric imbalance. It's a hormonal imbalance, and I can help. Fasting at lisafishersaid.com. So you started um, that first day. You did a 36-hour fast. You started doing research. Um, Mm -hmm. Are there any leaders in Germany that we know of in the fasting community? Like we have Australia with Graham. Right. The U.S. with Jen Stevens and Dr. Fung. Um. You know, I really concentrated on the states, and I'm not sure okay. if that was because of my Google searches. Yeah. Germany has the Buchinger Clinic, um, which has been around since the early 1900s. It's a they have several fasting clinics here, um, oh. and I'm sure that there are German personalities too involved um, in getting the word out. But I was really concentrated on the states, so I, I was mesmerized by Jason Fung at the beginning. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, for Watch. sure, for sure. Yeah. So, um, but I guess to a thirty-six hour fast. Then, did you in your Google search start thinking, oh, you can do a daily fasting window, you can do one meal a day, you can do alternate day fasting? How did you start after that first rip the bandaid off? I think I noticed intuitively that this was going to, it was going to work for me because um, it just fit my personality. It yeah. fit my personality. I could do it. It was easier for me not to eat a day um, and to be and to be that much freer the next day. Um, right. And it would have been to say, okay, you can have you know, eight hour in this eight hour window, you can have two meals. It would have been more difficult for me, I think. Um, and they also have with alternate day fasting, they have, of course, where you're allowed 500 calories, right? So modified alternate day fasting um, was also not an option for me. I've never even tried it because I know that I would find it very difficult to stop at that. The all or nothing personality doesn't need, you have to know yourself and I understand people. So when someone tells me I'm all or nothing, then I say, then let's go for it. You know, if they have some weight to lose, then let's go for it. And you know what? Every time they come back and go, I I love this. I feel free. Plus the weight loss is pretty spectacular and not just, and I have one client, a lot of men don't weigh, they Mm -hmm. go by the notches on their belt. Mm-hmm. And so um, after a month, this one client I have, it's four notches on his belt and he's doing alternate day fasting. And he does, and he only does about maybe two fasts a week to okay. 40, two, 40 hour fast a week, which mm-hmm. I probably is fine. You know, again, whatever works for you, but that was right. so motivating for him. And his, he went to his physician yesterday, getting his lab work done already, his blood pressure's down. So that's another notch in the belt, you know, proverbial yep. notch in the belt knowing that you're accomplishing these things. So you then started with a true alternate day fasting of 
maybe for people listening, and Jen Stevens says that she did it this way. She would eat Sunday and deep need again until Tuesday, Sunday night dinner, right. Tuesday lunch. Is that, yeah. that about what you did, Marianne? That's roughly. I just really looked at it very much so. I really looked at it as I ate one day and I did not eat the next. So I wasn't okay. really counting hours there. Um, generally okay. now, um, I'm not I'm not hungry when I wake up after a fasting day, fasted day. So Isn't that crazy? Um, it is crazy. I do get a little bit of hungry. I do get a little hungry, say, um, if we take that example with the Sunday, so I have dinner Sunday evening, Monday evening, um, I'm going to drink some tea or have an extra glass of water because I do get a little, yeah, an appetite. But then come Tuesday morning, I'm not hungry. I can easily go till noon, which is wow. always um, surprising yeah. to me, right? So very often, I'll sometimes it'll be a, a 35-hour fast. Sometimes it'll be a 40-hour fast. Yeah. Um, I usually don't go to a 42, but I I don't look at the the hours on the clock. Right. That's good. So then on your refeed day, because as we all know, scientifically, that's the that's it. That's the sweet spot. And that's what helps upregulate your metabolism. Unlike what you've been told for 2000 years, you need to eat a lot on that up day. So tell me what your up day looks like. My update, what I try to do is I do try and stay away from processed foods and oh, sugars. Sure. Um, however, if it's worth it, um, for example, like I said before, we're often in Brittany and the cakes and the tarts there are, first of all, they're works of art. They are <laughs> works of art. They are. Um, so I'll splurge there. It's not like I, I completely abstain from sugar. I don't. But I do try and limit it, consciously try and limit it. Um, I try and limit my breads, etc. cetera. Um, so a typical day food-wise, um, eggs, sardines, beef, um, uh, sometimes an oatmeal, rarely um, a granola that I make myself. Mm-hmm. Um Lots of fruit. I do eat a lot of fruit. I'm kind of a fruit junkie. But your junkie. cream in, uh, is so good in Europe. You know, the, oh, yeah. the beef and the cattle and the cream and the dairy products. I mean, obviously. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cheese. one thing I forgot to say, which is probably the cheese. I do eat an awful lot oh, of cheese, too. It's so good. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese is, um, that's almost, yeah, probably my main staple. And why? Um, I eat a lot I'm, you know, when Anyone. you, I love when you go to Europe and, and in the U S they ask you at the restaurant, would you like water or tea in Europe? They said, you want sparkling water or Prosecco, an Aperol, an Aperol spritzer. I'm like, well, I want the Aperol spritzer. Right? <laughs> if we're talking about lunch, of course I'm sleepy by 2 PM. You know, when I went to Europe, when I had been fasting about, uh, about 11 months. So I was, it totally adjusted. And so I, I did, a, I, I think I opened my window at two there and had something. I'd have the Aperol spritzer by three o'clock. I wanted a nap and then I would eat again. <laughs> I would have two meals. I, I did eat two meals a day when I was in Europe because I was in Europe. Right. <laughs> and right. as you know, I walked all over uh, the, all the countries we were in mainly in Italy. And then we were in uh, England and lost probably two pounds. And I ate yeah. oh, like royalty. Wow, great. Great. Yeah. Very good. Ate like royalty yeah. because again that is a european lifestyle of yeah. eating well eating later i felt like they were eating later in the afternoon they were like one or two o'clock is when they had their lunch because we don't eat breakfast as intermittent investors and then i would try to just wrap mine up a little earlier 
uh, just because I can't eat before I go to bed. Just I have a rare swallowing mm-hmm. disorder. So I do have to kind of have my food finished about seven o'clock mm-hmm. and it worked out fine. So mm-hmm. what's a typical day for you now, now that you, we say in maintenance, I don't want people to think though, that you once were in a diet and now you're not. It's just that now you're not having to look at the scale and measure and you're not pursuing it. So you just live your life now. So what is your life now? Um, I am, I, I will always be vigilant about my weight because I right. never want to go back to where I right. was. Right. Um, and that's my motivation, you know, and every day when I bend over to tie my shoes, I have a very concrete reminder of where I came from. Right. So my motivation is exactly um, not wanting to go back to a life half lived. Um, so I don't consider it a diet. It's a, a complete lifestyle change. So um, I'm still doing alternate day fasting, but oh, not yeah, but not necessarily every other day. I'm very lax with it in the sense that there there may be a week that I do four three where I um uh is it let's see yeah where I eat four days and I don't eat for three for three days yeah. um, right um, I might do a five two. Yeah. If necessary, after a trip back from France, I'm not quite as lucky as you. I tend to gain more or I don't oh. lose when I go to France. Yeah. I'll gain I'll gain the two pounds. Um, then I might go back to true alternate day fasting for a week or two. Yeah. So um, I'm not obsessed in any way with it, but I am very vigilant. Um, I think it. Dr. Michael Mosley, which is a name that kind of introduced mm-hmm. us yeah. uh, through the BBC. And I think it was five two. Um, mm-hmm ate for five days and didn't eat for two days was kind of how it got introduced into our nomenclature. And Mm -hmm. so some people may reference that. Um, In fact, some of the scientific literature even includes the eating normally for five days and then two days. I think Mm -hmm. he had two days of not eating or did he have two days of 500 calories? Do you know? I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think no eating if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right too. So some people do. So we're not saying you're truly, not everyone does an alternate day fasting, but they do some, they incorporate fasting somehow. Right. 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 And that's a great way to do it. I'm sure you're also familiar with um, the article that came out, I believe um, with, by Mr. Mattson. Um, yes. The New England Journal of Medicine, yes. I think yes. December of yes. 2019. Um, yes. That's true alternate day fasting. A lot of what um, what was reported on uh, was true alternate day fasting. So um, that was also something in there in regards to my blood pressure, where I assumed that it was fasting related and not necessarily just because of the weight loss, because it did kick in so quickly. Um, that stated in that report, too, that very often they see a reduction in blood pressure, which is due actually to the fasting and not to weight loss. So that kind of confirmed. um, Isn't that interesting that those are two different tenets within this field or this umbrella that we're talking about of better health. Mm -hmm. Fasting has one component and weight loss is kind of a different component. Yeah, very much so. And that then that also points, I mean, we make through deductive reasoning, then that calorie restriction is that's why calorie restriction isn't long-term because there's some magic with fasting. Exactly. And we know that because the term autophagy, you know, which is a cellular clean out. And, um, you know, and Dr. Fung, I love it when uh, the medical team and the PhD researchers, so not just anecdotal, but they will say, Oh, we see that this 
you know, the fact that autophagy was even, um, it won the Nobel yeah. prize for medicine 2016. So mm-hmm. then it, what it did was for the, um, Michael Mosley's of the world and other people who had started dabbling into fasting, it gave some scientific evidence and it gave it the bricks it needed to build the wall that says, this is going to work for you. This is not just a diet. Yeah. This is a lifestyle so. that has health benefits. Very much so. Very much so. Because that's you know, our pushback. Yeah, very much. So there's also something you, we hear a lot about body recomposition with yes. fasting. Yes. And I had always, when I was thin, I had, I'll say I was, uh, I had a well-endowed derriere and I was also on top fairly well-endowed, but I had a very, very flat stomach and a very so small curvy. waist. Just a, I was very yeah. curvy. Yeah. Um, and when I started to gain the weight, I start, you know, it was, I didn't recognize my own body. My, I, I just had a huge midsection. You know, I was this true, I was a very big apple. Yeah. Um, and that has reversed itself. I, I wow. really back to where I was, you know, I'm not 18 anymore. I'm not saying right. I have that body, but, um, I certainly have a flat stomach again and, you know, my waist is very clearly there. So I also think that that's got to do with the fasting and not just the weight loss. Right. That is it. That's exactly it right there. Part of autophagy and its magical cellular cleanup is also the way that the guy with the notches on his belt, mm-hmm. that things get slimmer. And Jen mm-hmm. Stevens tells that story, which is one of my favorites, how she weighed 130 and she didn't weigh again, but she'd lost two sizes. She thought for sure she was 120, you know, maybe mm-hmm. in the teens. Right. She right. was only 126, but she was a size zero. So who cares? Right. Who exactly. cares what that mean old scale says? Yeah. If you're the notches on your belt or if you're getting new clothes. So then you were getting new clothes all the time because you were you were the incredible vanishing woman. I was. I, I was. I was really, um, you know, I'd order something and by the time it came, it'd be too, <laughs> you know, I'd have to send it back. So, um, but uh yeah, that's, that's stabilized now. So now yeah. tell me then, so you never did a daily fasting window. That wasn't no. something that sounded good to you. And that right now doesn't sound good. You know, good. I've toyed with it. I thought, you know what, maybe I'll go into one meal a day. Um, but I've never, I've never pursued it because I just, just, it fits my mindset and my personality so good. Just not thinking about food for an entire day. That's it. Can you believe you live in that freedom? Um, I'm thankful I, I am living it. Yeah. Um, can I believe because- it? I, if you had told me this two and a half years ago, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no way. There's no way. And and I still get, you know, I've, I, I, with my friends here in Germany, I don't get much pushback. I don't get, um, you know, too many crazy looks. People are fairly supportive. I get a little bit of pushback from back home from some friends and family where they just think it's nuts. I mean, they see the results, um, but they still think it's a little bit odd, right? We have a this- diet culture in the West and mm-hmm. or the U.S. especially. I don't. Yes, we, we just have a diet culture. We all have diet brain. So are, is that part of the European culture? Because no, because people eat and drink and, like I said, smoke and go to cafes and don't yeah. think about what calories are, right? 
Um, you know, I really notice it in France. There's a difference. So Germany is one of the heavier countries in Europe. So I think the UK is the heaviest. And then I think number two on the list is Germany. So you're seeing, uh, you know, people are becoming bigger in Germany too. It's not quite to the rate, you know, at, at the pace that the U.S. is changing or has changed. Um, but in Brittany, you know, we were just there a couple of weeks ago and I said to my husband, my gosh, you really see a difference between back home in Germany and here in Brittany. Um, people are eating cheese. They're drinking red wine. They're right. eating white bread. And bread. You know, baguettes, right. croissants. And, and butter. And, oh, and butter. Believe me, the butter is good there. Yes. Salted butter. Ugh. Yes, it's um, so good. The cakes, you know, the, anyway, I could go on and on. I think the difference is, and in particularly in Brittany, Brittany is a fairly rural area of France, but they're very traditional in that breakfast is very small, lunch is a huge thing, and then they'll have a right. little dinner, unless right. they're going out in the evening, right? So, and then then they'll eat dinner like at nine o'clock. We tend to be at Isn't the that restaurant. crazy? Right. Right when they open at seven, we're there. But <laughs> that's the point. The restaurants are closed between two and seven. You Isn't will that not, crazy? Yeah, you will rarely find a restaurant that offers breakfast. So the availability of food, I mean, not that it's not available, every grocery store is open until eight o'clock in the evening, right. but you're not being bombarded with it constantly. Right. And I think that makes a huge difference. And when I go back home, and states will always be home for me, so when I'm visiting my brother, and I just drive down the road and it's restaurant, 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 yes. after restaurant. It's just, right. and the advertising on television. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I have a lot of sympathy because it's difficult when you're constantly being, you know, well, bombarded or, you know, this is constantly being thrown at you. And um, I think that's got something to do with it too. When I compare it to Brittany, where it's just not there, right? The people don't snack. They're eating at these very regular times. But my I God, totally believe that. They're eating well. They're eating well. That's for sure. I totally believe that. You know, here we've got Taco Bell talks about fourth meal. Well, as intermittent fasters, I might not even have second meal in right. the day. You know, right? I would. Ne I could. I. I don't have. I don't know what it is. I don't have the space anymore to right. eat more than what I eat. Yeah. yeah. And, and and that's what I kind of talk about with my intermittent fasting groups is. And I, I say, you know, I'm five eight and weigh one fifty. I weighed one forty in college. That was thirty seven years ago. I, mm -hmm. I, but I'm a size six, so I feel yeah. good. And so I've, I've told my intermittent fasting groups, I say, well, I could challenge myself and completely eliminate all carbs, all sugar, all alcohol, but that would be a very unhappy Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> I yes. like being a happy Lisa that can <laughs> yes. have some red wine or a bite of key lime pie. I don't eat the whole thing because I, right. again, I don't have, I don't, uh, my apostat works so well in my brain. Yeah. which then you see it is a biological uh, temperament that we have toward overeating. Yeah. And once you cut out that biological temperament toward overeating, I really couldn't overeat because it'd make me ill. Yeah. yeah. But when you train yourself to eat four or five times a day and have fourth meal, then your body accommodates it. And again, your insulin is dictated by what when you put something on the fork, not, and Dr. Fung does like to say, well, I do like it when you cut out your carbs. I do like it when you have a high fat, low carb diet, but let's not even do that at first. You know, I, I, I don't tell people to do that because I always say, I'm not the judge of your plate. You're the judge of your plate. 
But then as you go along, and Jen Stevens has said this, then you kind of have to tweak it. Yeah. Then you see, she has said, I had to cut out the Prosecco during the week and the desserts. Mm-hmm. So I could mm-hmm. be the size that her mm-hmm. body is. She's a small mm-hmm. framed woman. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, she she's a zero. I mean, that, right. that's just it. Right. This is a woman right. who was, was her size a 24 or something like U.S. size? I, it, or 18, yeah, I don't really, yeah. and I'm yeah. sorry if that's a, fed, you know, if, if Jen ever, someone tells Jen I said that, I don't know sizes <laughs> beyond like 12 and 14. I wouldn't think, because I think if I remember correctly, her highest weight was 220 or 230, 210? 210, I she, remember saying that. Then she probably wasn't a, a 24, because I oh. was a 22, 24, and I was two. And you were, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so. strike that from the record. Anybody <laughs> okay. taking notes, strike that from the record. But my point is, she has got, and maybe she said it was a tight 16, 18. Yeah. I, again, yeah. I don't know yeah. the sizes. Yeah. But to go to where she's not even, she's, it's an egg, it's a zero. I mean, yeah. Yeah. there's not much to her, but she she said she had to tweak some things. That's my point. You do yeah. have to tweak some exactly. things. Exactly. Very and true. You, very true. You've had to do that. And, had, okay. Um, at ahead. the beginning, the first, I'd say the first eight months, I really didn't have to do anything. I, but I was extremely consistent. Yeah. Um, I was very consistent the first eight, nine months. Then I realized, okay, I've got this. And I started feeling much more confident in myself. And, you know, I wasn't scared about gaining weight again. I became more right. confident. Um, and if there was something special, then I would eat. And I always ate carbs the entire time. Um, you know, not, I tried to stay away a little bit. I still eat bread, but not as much as I used to, um, but potatoes and rice and I'm still eating that. Um, but I do know that if I, um, eat too many desserts, too much sugar, that's not good for me. First of all, I don't feel good. Right. Um, after I do it. Um, and so it really has to be worth it. And also I find that the more simple carbs that I eat, my fasting day, the next day will be harder. Oh, so I'll get hungry earlier in the day. Yes. 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 I see that all the time. And my son, who's introduced me to intermittent fasting, he's the one who said his trick is he, he would eat an avocado before when he closed his window and he would brush his teeth. He said he yeah. did that for just to get in the habit. To mm-hmm. tell his brain, we're not, and his bot and that palate, we're not eating anymore. Oh, that's a great. And he said, yeah. he said, if he uh, closes window with high carb food, he's hungrier the next day, early yeah. in the day. So yeah. I would say that's pretty universal for everybody. Now, do you weigh every day, Marianne, or do you have honesty? Pants? I used to. I used to be very religious about it. I don't really do it anymore. If I start noticing, if I think after, for example, a trip to France, right. and I think, oh. Then I'll weigh myself just to, you know, get a feel for where I am um, and then react accordingly. But generally, you can feel it on your clothing. So um, I'm not a big weigher anymore. No. Good. Good. Um, And foods, too. And, you know, we learned this at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition New York. And Laurie Lewis says it. When you love the foods that love you back, you don't have the inflammation. Sometimes, and Jen Stevens has said this, you did not gain four pounds in one right. day. Right. But Very you're true. inflamed. You haven't pooped. You didn't have enough salt. You right. had the wrong kind of salt. You know, there are so many things that play into that. And not to have a knee-jerk reaction. And I love what Jen always says, never to punish ourselves after she would she would like to go on cruises or with your Brittany at the beach or wherever you are. It's just that just get back to it. 
maybe have a little longer fasting window the next day. Exactly. And I think that's part of the thing that really works with intermittent fasting for me um, is because before when those very few times that I did try calorie restriction for a few days or a week, um, and then one day I blew it because I had a brownie, for example. Right. Then I thought, well, you know what? I had the brownie now. I may as well have 10 more because I ruined the day anyway. (laughs) And then I would just eat everything in sight. Um, And I don't have that with intermittent fasting. That's not there. Isn't that great? It's because we don't have the unrealistic restrictions. Right, right. That we tell ourselves, because that's it. If you told me, Lisa, you could eat everything in the world, but you couldn't eat pickled eggs. I'd go, by golly, I'm craving a pickled egg because you told me I couldn't eat the pickled egg. That's right. That's right. So it, knowing that I have the freedom to eat what I want within my window is keeps keeps us compliant. Yeah. Now, Dr. Fung also has a philosophy about compliance for his morbidly obese patients. And that's why I'm surprised you didn't do this. And that is the creamer and the coffee, the bone broth and all that. But you sailed right through it. I ripped the Band-Aid right off. You really yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Marianne, you are a delight. You are beautiful inside and out. And Thank um, you so much, Lisa. It was a pleasure um, to talk to you. It was really nice. I really enjoyed thank it. You. Thank you for working this out in your schedule because I know you're busy and it's a different time of day. It's later in the afternoon. So is today an eating day for you or no? Today is not an eating day. And you feel great, so, don't you? And I feel great. I feel great. Does eating then, st- so when I do that, when I've done a few longer fasts, when I do eat, I'm really tired after I have that first meal in 36, 38, 40 hours, because it's like this insulin rush and it just drops my glucose. You know, at first the insulin comes in, drops your glucose, and then it builds it back up. But eating, eating actually makes me tired, okay. makes me sleepy. So I don't experience it that much. Now, I'm not all that good with just sticking to two meals or even three meals on, I call it on an eat day. Um, So I do still tend to graze so much, what isn't probably great. I try to limit that. I'm trying to limit that right now. Well, it's Um, working for you. It is working. You know what? At the end of the day, that's what counts. That's what counts. But maybe that's why I don't Maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't really feel tired after I start to eat. I don't know. I see that. I can see that. And Dr. Uh, Kristen Verity, is that how that's pronounced? V-A-R-A-D-Y, the every other day diet. She's a PhD researcher. She is the one who says, she doesn't look at it as a a window. She says one day, she says 500 calories. Right. Then the next day, it's a free for all. And then back to lower. And she doesn't, I think from that research, it wasn't based on a time of day to eat it within a window or to eat two. Right. She just says eat 25% more than you typically would. That's pretty much what I'm doing. Except, of course, for the 500 calories on on the down day. But that sounds very yeah. much like what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. just shows, and we know this, we have bio of individuality. What yeah. works for me doesn't work for you. And that's why you do have to tweak it. That's right. And you do have to see which one works for you. So I love hearing your perspective that it wasn't a daily eating window and your results are more than impressive. Yeah. It it is. Have you been to a physician there to see that you I'm going next week. So um, I, I have not. That's another thing when we talk about the NSVs. I used to get sick. 
all the time. If there was a cold going around, I was sure to get it. Yeah. I had the flus. Yeah. I know at least yeah. I'd say at least three times a year I was really sick. And between then, wow. I always had a cold. Wow. I have not been sick in two years. Wow. In two years. I have not. Another thing is headaches. I used to take a lot of Advil for uh -huh. headaches. I can't remember the last time I had to take an Advil. I, I don't get headaches anymore. Um, I also had probably the last half year before I lost, started with intermittent fasting, I had something called, um, I wrote this down because I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I'm going to try it. Acanthosis um, oh, nigricant. Yeah, yeah. acanthosis yeah. nigricant. It's a sign of high insulin. It's a brown ring around your neck. Exactly. Well, I had it um, in my chest area. Oh. And I thought it was odd. I thought, hmm. I thought that's odd. I never went to the doctor. I thought it was heat related or, you know, I had no idea. Anyway, um, just the other day I, I came across, I think in a podcast, they were talking about it, how this one skin condition was pretty much a sure sign of diabetes. Yeah. Oh, for and sure. So I Googled it and yeah. that is exactly what I had. The picture yep. it was exactly mm -hmm. one to one what I had. That's That's been gone for, oh God, I don't even know, probably a year and a half. And skin tags. Are you blue eyed? I am actually hazel. Hazel so. eyed. Are you red haired? That's what it no. looks like. Okay. No, it looks I, like you. you it, well, sometimes that tint. coloring will have, sometimes blondes for sure will really get the skin tag. Well, I say that. I know a brunette with them, but my blonde clients are the ones that will say, oh my gosh, my skin tag. And they have light eyes. My skin tags fell off. So I don't know if that has something to do Oh, that's with, interesting. Uh, complexion. Okay. Yeah. But did you ever have skin tags around your neck, under your arms? I don't have skin tags. No, that I've never had. Because that's also that. a sign of high ins or insulin resistance. Dr. Bickman says the ancanthosis nigricans is a definite sign mm -hmm. of insulin resistance, which even if you're, you go to the doctor and your blood glucose is 92, you can still be insulin resistant because mm -hmm. they're not testing. Mm -hmm. He says they need to be testing your fasting insulin. Mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. So when mm -hmm. you go to the doctor, I want you to have your fasting insulin check because it's probably one or two. I mean, really low. And then uh, I can't wait to see the doctor. I need you to take a picture of the doctor's face when he's looking <laughs> at you and looking at the before and after of your lab work and yeah. what you have on the scale. And yeah. Yeah. So you keep preaching it, sister. You keep, I you will. tell the Germans. I'm, you, I most you tell the Germans, will. I'll, I'll tell the America, I'll tell the people in Arkansas between here and Fort Worth and the beach. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher said podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review. Won't you? The Lisa Fisher said podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com. Creative.com.